sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Tuesday, July 14th. Let's cock and doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. Every Monday through Friday, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, stacking chips from the basement. Kevin, how are you doing today, brother man? We've got people coming more and more to the NBA bubble and getting tested, you know, Kev, we've talked about it a lot of times when players have either opted out or tested positive. A lot of times you have come back and said, well, that's not really a contending team or that's not really an all-star, right? Well, we have an all-star on a contending team that we now know has tested positive for COVID. I do believe he will be able to ultimately get into the bubble and support his team. The team I'm talking about are the Houston Rockets, the third choice in the West. And the player I'm talking about is Mr. Triple Double. Russell Westbrook, Kevin, has tested positive for COVID. He uh, says he's doing okay, hopes to rejoin the team. But if nothing, this kind of proves like no one is immune. The virus is not necessarily a Brody fan. Oh, yeah. No, look, I don't think the virus has a favorite player, a favorite team. I think that uh, day by day, we're going to wait to see what the updates are. Uh, you see there the statement that he released saying that he had tested positive for COVID-19 prior uh, to the team's departure for Orlando. Uh, he is currently feeling well, quarantined and looking forward to rejoining his teammates when he is cleared. Uh, he thanks everybody for their well wishes and continued support. He also then writes, please take the virus seriously. Be safe. Mask up. And then hashtag why not, which is his slogan. Uh, so, I mean, and all of that there, I thought, it, you know, is some important information, though, Dane. The fact that mm -hmm. he was tested before leaving, the fact then that that led to him not traveling with the team, which what we right. saw from, I think, the MLS is a, dang a potential dangerous way then to spread it throughout the entirety of a team. He still, right. though, is looking forward to going and joining his teammates in the bubble and it does, though, serve as a reminder. And I would never try and diminish the importance of any one testing positive, right? But we were waiting to see if potentially a positive test would come to a superstar and how that might shake things a bit. Westbrook certainly does, Dane, fit that yeah. description. He, he, though, is, <laughs> he certainly does. Uh, but he is looking forward to joining his team. And uh, I think it'll be a situation for us to keep tabs on uh, as to you know his availability for this team and when that might just be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Kev, but to this point, I would say Nikolai Jokic was the kind of highest profile player, biggest yes. all-star caliber player to, in fact, test positive the Denver Nuggets kind of as a quasi-contender in the West. But this one is leaps and bounds ahead of that. We have talked about the Rockets as a kind of live variance team. And everyone, even the casual fan, knows the potential of Russell Westbrook. Kev, talk to me about the impact here on the books for the Houston Rockets. As we said, uh, some people, including myself, thought the Rockets were kind of this live variance team. And, you know, maybe people are overreacting and then hammering the other side, fading the Rockets thinking that Brody might not be there, but I know you think he'll be there and be able to make it to, you know, support his team. I personally do as well, but our friends over at FanDuel, it looks have, have responded by not taking on the stress and liability of it all and have taken a lot of Rockets lines down or moved them, huh? Yeah, so the FanDuel Sportsbook has taken down uh, the Rockets' win total as well as the odds for their first game against the Dallas Mavericks, which is significant because they did initially attempt to move the line in response to this news. The Rockets were one-and-a-half-point favorites. That line had moved a bit from one-and-a-half to one over the Dallas Mavericks, which, by the way, is a very, very important game. If the Mavericks win that first game, the Rockets then are just a half game back of being the seven seed. And if their first-round matchup is a 2-7 with the Clippers, I mean, that is a massive, massive deal on so many different fronts. Then the Westbrook news comes out. The next thing we know, the Mavericks are three-point favorites. That is a considerable line move. Okay. Also, I mean, assigning mm -hmm. four and a half points of value 
to Russell Westbrook in of itself might be questionable. That was a considerable line move. And I myself, though, Dane, similar to what you just said, I did not feel as if the Westbrook announcement led me to believe that he was going to be missing that game. And if I had to guess, I would almost think that he would be there for that game. So I thought potentially those three points could present some value. Maybe some other betters felt the same way. All of a sudden, the book started to get hit with new money now coming in the other direction. And they said, whoa, 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 let's pull this off. Look, we love being ambitious, but we've got 12 other games for the, for um, you know, for our people to bet on here. We do not need to throw this game up right now with us obviously not being sure, I guess, of Russell Westbrook's status. Yeah, and I mean, that's the. I think that's the important part, right, Kev? Not being sure. Uncertainty is not the friend of a sports book, right? And just there's so right. much uncertainty, so much volatility. Instead of having it up there and potentially taking on more and more liability, they cut their losses, say, hold on, let's really figure this out. Let's get a better idea of what his status might be before we have an opportunity for others to go ahead and- Let me ask you, Dane. Let me ask you on this from the book's perspective. Do you think that they're almost somewhat beat on this game? Because if it was a point and a half, right, where the Rockets were favored, they probably got hit with maybe a decent amount of then Dallas getting the point and a half money. Then for the Rockets to be getting three points and that line to be gone, is is it fair to assume that this book might have been hit with significant money with both teams catching points already? Yes, it is possible. Yes, and and remember how we've talked about this, Kev. You know, we've talked about uh, in the NFL, for example, where we see a nine, a ten point move with throughout a right. And in that situation, whether you buy the news and whoever's down or tested positive, it creates a huge middling opportunity regardless. And we are going to start to see that. I think that's a second order ripple effect of of kind of this volatility that is going to be in this marketplace for the indefinite future. However, Kevin, Russell Westbrook may have tested positive, but the NBA has released kind of like their latest round of testing results. And, you know, I got two questions for you. One, yeah, it's encouraging news, right? So one, why don't you tell us what the results kind of were, what that means for percentages, maybe how many players on any team may get it if you extrapolate that out. But my second question for this, Kev, is how much does it matter? Because we're testing every day, right? So Okay, maybe at this, it's a snapshot in time, and we've still got, you know, a couple of weeks until these games are being played and a couple of weeks, you know, for, unfortunately, the virus to spread in the city of Orlando inside the bubble, which I still think is possible. You acknowledge is possible, but think is less of a threat than I do. But what do we know about the current status of the NBA testing? Yeah, so of the 322 players that they tested for COVID since arriving to the NBA's campus back on uh, July 7th, there have been two confirmed positive tests uh, during this quarantine process. Two out of 322, no matter how you slice it, obviously we want zero. That's a that's a very encouraging number. Dane, you're the, the math guy of the show. Oh, yeah, that's less than 1%. But like that is... Less than a percent, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is fantastic stuff to see. Those players as well who tested positive, and this is also important, never cleared quarantine uh, and have since left the campus to isolate at home uh, or in isolation uh, isolation housing. That is very important. Now, it is important to keep in mind, like Russell Westbrook is not one of the two players. He never showed up, right? So there are right. some guys who He's never not counted as made people it there, to this right. point. And I do think that is one of the things that's worked in the NBA's favor, is they've created checkpoints. It's not been, mm-hmm. let's show up, we'll test you, let's mess around a bit, and then whatever. Like, there's been a number of checkpoints, and I think that's what's helped them now get to this latest number that is 2 of 322. I definitely think it is fair, though, to say that the most important round of testing is always going to be the next round of testing. It's always going right. to be that. But I don't think we can then just toss out these numbers because this is very encouraging. This is the type of numbers where if, to say, somebody was on the fence about whether we would be playing those first set of games, I think maybe now says, okay, we're definitely starting. And I think it's totally fair if somebody says, I don't know if it finishes. During, I mean, during these times, Dane, I don't know. I couldn't bash anybody for feeling that way, right? 
But I think mm -hmm. it is fair to say now the confidence level at the minimum of those first set of games being played, those set of games that are being offered right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook being played, I think should be at least higher from wherever anybody was at in terms of those games being played. Um, I think that is fair to say. I agree with you. I think that is true. I think the information we have right now at this point is good. Um, and that's that's what I can say. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I agree with you. Will this tournament start? I mean, will this restart start? Yes. Will it finish? I got no idea, Kev. You know what I mean? There are so many variables. And as I look to MLS, where there have been some positive tests, where there have been games canceled or moved around, where teams have had to withdraw, you know, there still is a ton of risk. The city of Orlando, the state of Florida is certainly like almost the worst place in this country for the bubble to be. So that doesn't help things. But yes, where we are starting from, the base that it sounds like we are starting from does look to be positive. There's also positive news, Kev, for the Indiana Pacers as one of the teams inside the bubble that have designs on being an Eastern Conference contender. Victor Oladipo, after saying he didn't know and maybe opting out, He's had some practices with the team. He feels good about it. He may, in fact, change his decision and play with the Pacers. This is good news for Victor Oladipo. This is good news for the NBA. And this is also specifically, Kev, good news for Pacers point spreads, no? This is the best news that Pacers fans could possibly get. And, yes, those lines are already on the move, and, and we'll, we will certainly hit some of those maybe on the other side. But I want to make sure, Dane, that we just mentioned how good this is for the long-term relationship of the Indiana ah, Pacers. We've talked yes. about this a little bit here about uh, how a rumored contract offer might have left Oladipo feeling uncertain when it comes to his standing within this organization, and maybe that led to him sitting out. Then we saw uh, some right. reporting on the situation that the Pacers found out their star player would not be playing through the media. When I found out is when the Pacers found out. And that is not right. how you would expect this to play out. If they were in good standing, it would be a decision that they would somewhat come to together. Or at least they'd get the first phone call. Not Shams Chirano, who, by the way, I mean, fantastic reporter. But you wouldn't think <laughs> that he would be number one on the priority list of who would get that phone call. The fact that he is now considering, I think that means that something, there was a conversation that was had, right, where Victor Oladipo said, you know what, I do want to go out there and I want to play for this team and I want to put it all on the line. Yeah, absolutely. I remember even when uh, Davis Bertans decided to opt out, we had a similar conversation saying that it sounded like the Wizards and Bertans were having a conversation and that it made you think that maybe he would actually re-sign there. The fact that they are collaborating on this is a good sign for the Pacers and Oladipo. We'll look at the impact of that and some other NBA news and notes when we come back. We're off and running. It's the early line right here on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Kevin Walsh live and direct from the basement, along with the spitting statistician. And, Kev, we were talking about Victor Oladipo. I agree with you. This seems like they are playing nice together and collaborating. And we always talk about that, how important that is, whether it was Davis Bertans with the Wizards or all the way back to the NFL draft when Joe Staley kind of let the 49ers know what his thoughts were so that they could respond accordingly and strategically by getting Trent Williams. That's always the help. But Kev, you know, the Pacers view themselves as an Eastern Conference contender. I believe they're in that 4-5 matchup right now. What do you mm -hmm. think is the impact either on that, that first game out the gate or their futures odds now that they have the math singer back in the fold? <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that quite a bit. Um, there's been movement for both. They were five-point dogs uh, to the 76ers. They are now down to four-point dogs uh, on that line against Philly. And maybe it could move even more. once Because the Oladipo is now he is looking towards playing. It is not a 100% guarantee, 
So maybe no this lineman this closes up. Everyone is questionable, Kev. <laughs> but, but, but maybe it closes up at a three once we get the final word that Oladipo is a full go. Uh, so we've seen some movement there. And we've also seen some movement in their win total market, uh, which is, again, pretty significant because this is, you know, they're the fifth best record out east. Uh, their win total is four and a half. It was minus 200 to go for the under. That's a pretty big number. It's now moved to minus 165. And I'll tell you, Dane, if we take the scope of this, of this team's schedule, they're going to start with Philly. They then play Washington, Orlando, Phoenix, games that they're going to be favored in without or with Oladipo. Then they'll play the Lakers. They've got Miami, Houston, and then Miami. If they handle hmm. business against Washington, Orlando, and Phoenix, with Oladipo's back, I certainly would say between a pair of Miami games, Houston, L.A., and Philly, two wins is possible. And why it might be attractive is that it's coming at a plus-140 number. So I think the Pacers now are a team, because this decision from Oladipo was initially no and now is yes, it, it almost makes me more excited about it than if it was a yes out the gate. So I, I, am, I am now certainly going to be keeping tabs on this Pacers group. No, absolutely. And I think that middle of the East is very interesting. You talk about m multiple games against more. Miami for Indiana, right? When I think about specifically these four teams, uh, the Heat, the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Pacers, right? Three mm -hmm. through six in there. I know the Bucs are number one. You and I both think that they can be had in a playoff format. And whatever you're going to think about Toronto, everything from that they've got a championship pedigree and they should be live against anyone. I buy that. If you think they're playing above their heads and they're going to turn into a pumpkin, I buy that, right? But those four teams in the middle there of the East, I find very interesting. As you know, I'm already riding a couple of them. Kev, as we keep it moving here, you know, you talk, when I mention like the MLS stuff, you say, oh, they were careless when they travel. When you met, you know, or other, or other sports, but there's some carelessness going on in the NBA bubble already as well, right? They are in the bubble. They're reporting. We've heard about things like the food there or the cockroaches in a bedroom or the amount of NBA 2K being played in hotel rooms left and right. But what do you think about this story, Kevin? And he's not alone. Rashawn Holmes uh, of the mm -hmm. Sacramento Kings decided to like break quarantine and then kind of gave the same like little elementary school excuse that I used to hear from kids when I was in the education world all the time. Oh, I didn't know. And he's not alone. It seems like a member of the Houston Rockets also left quarantine. It seems like some of these rules and regulations and systematic checks and balances that you are saying is so important that the NBA does have. And I agree with you, Kev, it is important. And it's good to see that the system is in fact working. But what we can't trust is, you know, the common sense of human beings, Kev. We're here in New York and we're relying on others to wear masks, right? And to do the right thing. The NBA is also relying on its players to do the right thing. And there's a couple here and there that are kind of forgetting about quarantine. Hopefully, this is a, uh, a minimal issue, and once everyone realizes what quarantine means, they can keep up with it. Right, Kev? And I do think there is a larger purpose at play here. So we were talking, right, as we were, we were getting ready for the show today, we were talking about um, who was the other guy, kind of, right? And it, it was Bruno right. Cabo, and we looked the situation up, right, and he didn't know he wasn't allowed to leave the room during that quarantine process. I think it's fair to say, though, that one was significantly reported on less compared to Rashawn Holmes. And I think there was a reason for that. I think Rashawn Holmes was made an example of. I now, that's not to say that it's not a strict you know, eight-day period, but the reason why I think this story made the rounds is because they needed to make sure that everybody understood that, that they can't be having exceptions. Because if there are lax rules, then they will keep being pushed. And that's why and when you read the statement from Rashad, exactly, when you read the statement from Rashad Holmes, he writes, after the initial quarantine period, I briefly and accidentally crossed the NBA campus line to pick up food delivery. I am currently in quarantine and have eight days left. I apologize for my actions and look forward to rejoining my teammates for our playoff push. Like, he, he mentioned that it was accidental. He apologized for it. This isn't, you know, this is something right, that sounds so silly, right? Like, like think about, we're living in a world where somebody going outside to pick up food is like is a punishable offense that they need to apologize for. Like <laughs> let right. his team down. Like it's so wild. But I genuinely yeah. do believe that they're like, listen, we can't be making exemptions because 
if all of a sudden then it's everybody starts to push the boundaries a little bit further, and all of a sudden now the bubble grows a bit, right? Yep. And now people can move a little bit further. So that's what I think happened here with Rashawn Holmes. I think it's more than reasonable to kind of laugh at the fact that he, like, how did he, they let him go to the street right. for curbside pickup? Like, how did how did they not fix like, how that? How is there not a security guard in the hallway? Right. You know, like, like I, as soon yes. as anybody, as soon as I see anybody over six foot two, I'm like, yo, where are you going, bro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, 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 right. What I think should be happening. And okay, you think they're making an example. If they've got to be consistent, I'm going to ask you, Kev, you know, I, I'm going to surprise you with where I'm going right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> remember when we laughed, though, about something in the NBA kind of uh, handbook about the protocols that we thought was hysterical? If they're going to make an example out of this guy, Kev, that snitching hotline is going to start lighting up, bro. Okay. Honestly, <laughs> seriously, remember we, that was that snitch hotline and we thought it was yeah. funny. But I was like, I, you would be naive if you don't think players would drop a dime on each other, especially now if we know the league has set the precedent, like you're saying, on coming down hard to make it clear. Kev, mm-hmm. over under, how many times will this you know snitch hotline actually come into play? I mean, I think it's I think zero, it's more than zero. I think we're going to see the the line ringing. I don't know <laughs> what the results will be, right? Because I, I mean, again, when you know, hey, this is Cliff Paul. Yeah, no, just calling. I'm yeah, I saw. Kawhi Leonard right. on curbside, like, hey, Chris, hang the phone up, dude. Stop. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know how effective it's going to be, but yeah, no. But also, I will say this: it is a good sign. Like, early, early on, it is fair to say that we've seen that the NBA is taking this serious, and I do think that that is a positive sign. No, absolutely, absolutely, they are taking it seriously. It looks like the gears of the system are working. The question is. Will they be overrun and flooded or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and we will still see that as time goes on. We all have our fingers crossed. You know, someone else who has their fingers crossed, the Boston Celtics. Listen, you know, I believe they have the potential to really do damage in this restart. You know, Kevin, I believe this is going to be a big time national coming out party for Jason Tatum. But the other guard in that starting backcourt is Kemba Walker. And it looks like at least in the first eight games in that restart, before they hit the playoffs and the Celtics pretty much are locked in to do so. Kemba Walker is going to be on a minutes restriction. It looks like Kev, because he's still, mm-hmm. you know, kind of on that knee injury. I want to ask you, I know you were high on the Celtics, especially with that over four and a half number for their eight games in the restart. You broke it down with Jared and Ariel on the morning after. Do you still feel as confident if you know Kemba is limited in any way? Absolutely not. Now, listen, we did our job, Dane. We sent our friends of the program over to the FanDuel Sportsbook. It was minus 145 to get over the four and a half. It's now minus 180. The line is on the move. That's what we like to see, because I like to believe then that that means that people are listening to us. And yes, the only way people know how to bet at FanDuel Sportsbook is through what we tell them. Um, Now, I can't do, like, if you're, say, late to the number, say this is the first time you're hearing about us talking about the opportunity that's here for Boston. I don't know if I can encourage you to go over four and a half at minus 180. Again, the schedule does remain very light for them. Milwaukee's where they start. They have a game against Toronto. Miami's no slouch, but they will be favored there. And the other five games are against teams that are currently outside of the top, um, or the, you know, outside of the top echelon. Portland, Brooklyn, Orlando, Memphis, Washington. They just win, you know, those five games. You're going to get over your four and a half. And Kemba or not, okay. minutes restrictions, Kemba or not, they should still get there. But because Kemba's going to still be on that minutes limit, because we just don't know whether or not they're going to see themselves needing to push it, they might just get sandwiched into three. They could be resting. Now at the minus 180 number, I would tell people probably to push back. But I still wouldn't bet under. I still would not bet under. Okay. Um, so maybe a little bit of a drop, but you're still – feeling confident in the Boston Celtics, mostly because of the schedule that lies before them. Well, Kev, you ain't got to wait long if you want to see basketball live action. You also ain't got to wait long if you want to see action out of the city of Orlando. First with basketball, I know we're coming up on a break, but people may not know, Kev, that TBT, the tournament, the basketball tournament, will crown a champion today. Before we get into the lines of it all, talk to me like, 
How has this tournament gone? I know the first, the uh, number one seed got upset. The number two seed is not there. It's a kind of um, the, the Golden Eagles, I believe, were the four seed and were in the championship last year against sideline cancer. Before we get into kind of the leans and the odds and the lines, how has this tournament kind of gone off? Because this is yet another example of how we can put on a tournament and a sport in America during coronavirus. Absolutely. I think the TBT tournament really has, has found themselves, you know, they've covered themselves in glory. I mean, they've gone through this. They took this very serious. Then we're moving Everlean Drive after one positive test of an asymptomatic player with everybody else on the team testing ne negative after that test. It showed how serious they took it, and they reaped the benefits. Here they are. They're going to be pulling this off. They're going to be crowning a champion tonight. And a massive congratulations to them on that front. I think there's been a number of players who have stepped up. You know, Marcus Keene from Sideline Cancer might be one of them, who maybe after this get a call from an NBA team. And there's been a number of upsets. And I wonder how, if people think, could that relate to what we see from the NBA mm. restart? Yeah, good question there. We've been talking about that, you know, with the variance, the lean underdogs. Great point on some of these guys putting it on tape for any kind of transaction window that may be in the NBA. When we come back on the other side of the break here in the early line, Kevin gives you a play for the TBT champion, and we look for Tucker as well right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. I'm Dave Martinez. People call me the spitting statistician, stable genius and vocal minority. And I got my man, the sports kingdom, Kevin Walsh, giving you winners from the basement. We're going to talk about TBT and get a play there. I do want to remind people, though, this and most days we put up a poll question as well. We're going to talk about NFL news a little bit later on, but. It is clear, Kev, that the Washington football team will be changing their name. And so we've put out a couple of options that we like. We've heard Warriors. We've heard Red Tails. I know you really like the idea of Roses. And we're also going to get, you know, some suggestions from everybody. So please hit us up at SportsGrid, at the Kevin Walsh, at Spit and Speeds with your ideas and your votes. We will certainly check in on that a little bit later on. As you see there, obviously, the Washington football team has acknowledged they will be retiring their name and logo. We'll go deeper into that in our number two. But Kev, you were talking about TBT and how the testing protocols and the system is, in fact, working. They did, however, pull one team. So, you know, if you think if it works, if I was a teammate of that one guy who had the asymptomatic positive, I'd be like, this didn't work for me because I didn't get to play. But I digress. It is, we are at our championship, and it is the Golden Eagles, who I believe are the four seed, who I believe were in the championship game last year as well. They take on maybe the kind of... Uh, the upstart team who has pulled a couple of upsets, and it is sideline cancer. Sideline cancer, though, getting two and a half points in this championship. Yeah, I'm very excited for this game. And I want to just expand on the one thing that we said, and I don't know how much it matters, right? But the fact that there were a number of upsets in this tournament, mm. like the number one seed, Carmen's crew, didn't win a game. Overseas Elite got bounced by sideline cancer, who is the 22 seed in this tournament. Like, that is a pretty significant upset that they made over what were the favorites overseas elite, the team that I actually was encouraging a lot of people uh, to bet on. So my, uh, right. my sincerest apologies uh, to see that team go down. I was quite surprised myself when I saw that final result. But we come into this game here, Dan, and I, I see this line at two and a half, and it's the three-seeded Golden Eagles against the 22-seeded sideline cancer. And maybe I'm naive here. Right. Maybe right. I need to acknowledge that sideline cancer Forget the 22 that's next to their name. They're much better than that. But if I would have told you before the tournament started that in the championship game, you can get the three seed, laying only two and a half right. to the 22 seed, you take it every time. You take it every single time. And 
That's my approach here. And part of that is, I think the Golden Eagles are going to win this game. They've been right there on the cusp. You mentioned they were last year's runners-up. I would, I will say this more than anything, though. I'd probably leave the two-and-a-half points at home. The minus 144 on the money line is fine enough for me. I'll pay the extra 30 cents, and I'll leave the two-and-a-half points at home. This could be a very close game. This, this, is a, you know, this is a championship game. This has been tough stuff, right? So I might yeah. leave the two-and-a-half points at home, but I do think the Golden Eagles are going to be crowned the champions of the TBT. All right, Kev, i got to ask you a question. If you like the Golden Eagles kind of straight up, our friends at FanDuel has offered an odds boost on this championship game, okay, which is in essence a parlay of the Golden Eagles money line and the over in the game, okay? Golden Eagles to win and 153 or more points being scored with the total of this game at 152.5 has been boosted from plus 220 to plus 250 with our friends at Odds Duel, now the uh, and a Fan Duel. Now, the total on this game is 152.5. The odds boost is at 153 or over. So it's just basically taking the over in this game. But I did want to ask you about something because I know you've been plugged into this. Sometimes mm-hmm. I've been, you know, channels and seeing it and it'll say something up big on the screen like first team to 82 points wins or something like that are there weird scoring rules at the end of games and if so how does that impact the way you lean on totals with this tournament yeah so they're using the elam ending which if maybe people aren't as familiar with it the last nba all-star game when they set the target score that's exactly what's at play here so they play three nine-minute quarters, regular basketball. Then they play the first five minutes of the fourth quarter. When they're at under four, that first stoppage of play, they pause the game. And what they do is they take the winning or the leading team's current total. Let's just call it, for to make this easy, the, win, the team is winning 70-65. to 65. The new okay. target score becomes 78. They add eight points on to whatever the leading team's current score would be. And it's first to 78. So if then the team with 65 can pretty much score 13 for the other team would hmm. score eight, they win the game. That's exactly how it's done. Now, it, it, what that will do is it will set a ceiling on where the number right. can be. You can hypothetically win your bet before this game closes, right? Because in All that right. example we just gave, 20 points would be the most you could see scored potentially in that um, you know, Elam ending scenario. Now, that's not always going to be the case. There certainly could be a bigger window, and sometimes these numbers will come home beforehand. I mean, also, there's a world where the over could cash because you say, oh, they need boom, 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 X right. amount of points. Gonna have My over's going to Yes. Right. So it, it, can, it can work both ways. I mean, with the way these two teams have been, I would lean under. But I will say this about the odds boost, Dane. You are not actually able to hit a same-game parlay on this if, say, you like either to side money line with either total. It's actually not being offered by the book. Mm-hmm. So the only way to get one of those same-game parlays and get in at a number that would be priced at 220 and is now being priced at plus 250 is to take them up on their odds boost. So if you like the Golden Eagles and you think there's going to be points in this game, then it is more than worth the play because it's the only way you can get it. Yeah, I, I find that interesting. I was looking at that at the NBA All-Star game also trying to see if there was any edge in that total because, you know, after the third quarter, you in essence know what, what like capacity is going to be, right? And if they have a chance of getting to the over or not, I find that very, very interesting. All right, well, TBT and that final is not the only games we will see here today across this fair land. We've got soccer to discuss, but Kev, I want to start by looking back. You know how much I love the draw, and boy, yes. were the draws live yesterday, right? Out of the three games, we did have two draws, and I think each of the games yesterday were very, very intriguing for different reasons, Kev. Starting with the Toronto against DC. I mean, Toronto was up 2 nothing, Kev, and D.C. was playing with 10 men, but then down a man, right, down two goals, they come all the way back to tie the game and get the draw 2-2. I thought that was very interesting. Hamid makes an incredible save at the very end, and then it got a little feisty at the very end as well. I would feel some kind of way also if I was up by two and up a man and I couldn't get the job done. As as they should. I mean, that is a collapse like no other. Because not only did they, you know, 
concede two unanswered while having a man advantage for that entire second half. But it was in the last 10 minutes. The 84th yeah. minute was the first, and then in extra time was the second. And the way that, you know, Toronto FC came out rolling, especially that first goal for Macanola, wow, what a, what a goal yeah. that was. You, you thought it would spur them on, and everything was in their favor. I mean, that is a tough collapse, especially for TFC backers. Yeah, absolutely. One note I do want to say about this game, you know, Toronto has stood, everybody in America, a fan of American soccer, knows the name Josie Altador. Uh, Josie is part of Toronto. Yeah. He sat out, okay, on this one and gave everyone his reasons why. This is the start time. Okay, this 9 a.m. start is kind of interesting. I was thinking that we weren't going to see many goals. Remember, I was on the under two and a half. And I thought I was home free also, Kev, you know, <laughs> up to nothing, down a man. But, you know, just just chill for 10 minutes and we've got this. It didn't happen. But, you know, Josie Altidore out there saying this ain't it. It is too hot out there at this point in time. Players are starting to chirp about this, Kev. How big of a deal is this? And should we, you know, should I go back to the well on these under bets in these early starts? It seems like people don't like the fact that it's already 90 degrees down there and that sweltering, you know, summertime Orlando heat real early in the morning. The wake up time, the team meal time, this 9 a.m. start, you know, is out of the comfort zone of these players, specifically Josie Altidore. Yeah, it's tough for me, though. If I'm not mistaken, Josie's though the first and the only player, and maybe I'm wrong here. That made this maybe decision. The only one to he wasn't playing and be as public with it. Yeah, and maybe right, but the only one that, that at least we know of saying I'm not playing at 9 a.m. That's not happening. And now the thing is, with it being so hot, maybe it's not safe. They obviously they're having their drinks breaks. The it's unfortunate though for Toronto FC. It's hard to say that they lost this game because Josie Altidore didn't play. Again, Akinola like was playing up top, oh, put yeah. two goals in, looked fair, fantastic, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. And then the collapse. You were up a man. got to get it going. <laughs> that, exactly, right? But could I still say if they had Josie, maybe the game was finished? Maybe. I mean, Josie Altidore is one of the, you know, he's one of the guys that you expect goals from when it comes to yeah. the MLS. So I think that is unfortunate. But I don't know how to play these 9 a.m. games because I know we're going to go through this full slate here. And I, yeah. I do wonder, you know, are the, you know, are, are, the, are the wheels loose a little bit now? Are we going to see some goals? And I don't know why because this was still – first games for a number of these mm -hmm. teams. So maybe it was just these teams, but we had over two and a half come home in every single game that was played yesterday. Yeah, we absolutely did, including the nightcap where Portland takes out the Galaxy two to one. I mentioned this because you talk about guys who are uh, you know, expected to score goals. One of those would be Chicharito, who is kind of replacing Zlatan Ibrahimovic, right, with the LA Galaxy. And listen, he was on the spot taking a penalty kick in the first half and couldn't get it done. A nice save by the keeper. And if you were listening to the Kellogg telecast, it sounds like the narrative is that Chicharito is not delivering so far. And uh, Portland gets the job done 2-1 to one against the Galaxy. The craziest thing that I saw, though, during this game is they had the Portland manager, Giuseppe, on the headset. And yeah. L.A. puts a goal in. And they go, oh, wow, this is two days in a row where we've had a manager on a headset, and then the other team goes and scores. Now, the goal came back, but I don't right. for me, uh, yeah. I'm superstitious. You're not putting that headset on me. And if I see the headset <laughs> go on a team that's in front, I'm, I'm hitting live the live market. I'm I bet the live it. market. Like, for sure. No, absolutely. Listen, LAFC and Houston had a huge matchup as well. 3-3 was that one. A lot of goals scored. It felt like there was juice in the arena. And then I realized they were just piping in crowd noise. But you're right, Kev. We've got a full slate of games today. And we turn our attention to those when we come right back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Kevin Walsh and I putting the fun in functional sports content and trying to give you winners as well. So we turn our attention to the slate of games in the MLS is back tournament today. We've got three games going on. Another one of those 9 a.m. starts, Kev. And I got to ask you what you think about this one. This one, though, I do think is interesting. You mentioned would it loosen up now that everyone has had a game. But everyone has not had a game just Mm -hmm. yet. And ironically, there is only one team left to not have a game. It is a team that starts today at 9 o'clock, the Chicago Fire. Now, Kev, the Fire is the team that was moved from Group A into the FC Dallas spot, right? So their opponent, Seattle, have played a game already, whereas Chicago was that kind of flex team that moved. They have not played a game. They, you know, had their games kind of canceled, postponed, removed. Like, they've gone through a lot of kind of, I don't know, flexibility, shall we say, and change. So do you think it might be tougher for them from a mental aspect? This 9 a.m. start we've already seen be difficult for some. And the fact that Seattle has a game under their belt. No wonder Seattle is a favorite at plus 110. Yeah, I like I like Seattle quite a bit for everything that you just said. The fact that they have a game under their belt, I think that has to be seen as an advantage, Dane. I think it has to be seen that way. And getting it the defending champs in Chicago is a bottom feeder in the Eastern Conference. Like, if you just look at their skill, you know, Seattle is expected to be a big time playoff team. They're the defending champs, for goodness sakes. And the Chicago last year was at the bottom tier of the Eastern Conference. I will say, though, that is why I'm a bit surprised maybe that it's a plus number in the way that it is for Seattle. I Hmm. know the triple money line has a lot to do with that, but plus 110 for the Seattle Sounders is, I think, a more than reasonable price. Also, the Sounders got a, what had to be a very unsatisfying first result in a nil-nil draw. So you'd like mm-hmm. to think that they're going to find themselves pushing the pace a bit here and looking to score some goals. So I could even see a world where the over two and a half, since we just mentioned things were opening up a bit yesterday, I wouldn't be against that either. All right, fair enough. So maybe it will open up. I do think there is an imbalance here. I'm with you. I'm on Seattle as well, second under the belt, although neither one of these teams just yet have scored a goal. You mentioned Seattle was a nil-nil draw. The 8 o'clock start, I'm going to be very interested to see. It is NYCFC against Orlando, the host team. Now, this is a return to Group A. Both NYC and Orlando did not win, right? Their first time out, I believe. Or maybe Orlando. No, Orlando, 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 Orlando won. They came back on into Miami. So all the more reason that the pressure is on NYC. They were favored to win this group. They are slightly favored over the upstart young kids of the Philadelphia Union. But Philadelphia beat NYC in the first game. NYC now has played three games officially in their MLS season. And after being one of the most dynamic offenses last year have not scored a goal yet in three games in this MLS season as a third rail supporter and fan of NYC. I'm starting to get a little bit nervous. Now they play the host team in Orlando. How do you see this one tonight? I think you being nervous is more than justified. If NYCSC come out of this game with anything other than a win, I think it might be fair to say that their MLS is back tournament run might just be over if the Philadelphia Union aren't able to get the result that they're looking for against Inter-Miami. The good thing for NYCFC is they should be able to get a result, at least based on the 11 that you expect them to put out there, the pedigree that we expect from this team from last year. But also, as you mentioned, they've not scored. Like, it's it's been tough. It's been tough going for this team. It does feel like the type of scenario where maybe once they see that first go into the back of the net, Dane, that will be the difference maker. But the question is, will it go into the back of the net? The attraction, again, for me here, though, is this triple money line opportunity that gives us NYCFC at a plus number against Orlando City. Orlando City found themselves getting those three points on the back of a really nice performance from Nani, the Portuguese national player. And I think if NYCFC can go out there, hone in on Nani, and get themselves an early one, I think this could be a game that may, they might just even win by multiple goals because goal differential as well could come into play potentially in this group uh, as to who is going to be moving on. So I think it's a big spot for NYCFC, uh, but getting them at a plus number 
is attractive to me. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a big spot. One other thing I'll add here, Kev, you know, NYC also has a new coach this year, Ronnie Dyla, mm. um, after Dorman Torrent went to go back coach in Europe. So remember, this is a new head coach putting in a system and they haven't scored a goal yet. Okay, for a team that is projected to be, you know, a true championship contender, they haven't scored yet. So the walls could start to be closing in. Now, they have scored. Remember, I mentioned to you, Kev, that at the beginning of the season, when they were playing the regular season, NYC was also competing in the CONCACAF Champions League. And they advanced in that tournament, you know, so they did score some goals and win some games in that tournament, but they certainly need to get into form. Ironically, you talk about the triple money line, Kev. They're the biggest favorite on the board in all three Mm -hmm. games today, but at plus 105. You're right. If they get a result today, their third game in the group stage will be against Inter-Miami, the expansion team that doesn't have a win. If they get a win there, they should still be able to potentially advance because remember, Kev, it is the top two teams from all six groups and then also the four uh, third place teams with the highest number of points and the best goal differential, uh, differential, as you've mentioned, that fill out the 16 for the knockout stage. So I am still holding on to hope when it relates to NYCFC. And then in the nightcap, we have the Philadelphia Union, who are at the top of this group right now with an impressive one nothing when they've got some kids that are, you know, kind of showing up, showing out. Maybe their time is now. They take on Inter-Miami, the expansion team who got up early against Orlando 1-0, but ultimately succumbed in their first matchup of this tournament. Philadelphia is a plus-130 favorite. Yes, plus number and still a favorite because the draw is involved at plus-250. How you see this one playing out? I think Philadelphia you know, can start to get rolling here. The Union, you could argue, might lock up their spot in the next round with a win here today. Yep. Again, goal differential might come into play, and it could be the deciding factor. But to get themselves on six points, see, being able to see Orlando in that last game, NYCFC already having that win, it's a big spot for the Union. I don't know if it's going to be chalk across the board, though, today. It's certainly dangerous to have that mindset. I do think we might see some goals, though, in this game. I think the Union is a team, you know, I, everyone talked about that game against LAFC where they, were, they had a 3-3 result, right? right. A lot of goals. and I, I think... We saw Inter concede twice in their first game here. I think the over two and a half goals at minus about minus 140, it's minus 138. Uh, I think that that is certainly something that could be worth a look here. I, I don't know, Dan. I think maybe second go around, we might maybe start to see a little bit more goals for these teams, especially in the nightcap. Yeah, trust me, I'm hoping for it. Listen, NYC, they have firepower. Okay, I know that is not the question. The question is, as you said, Will it actually go into the back of the net? We can go across the pond as well for some interesting football today, Kevin. You know, over in um, the EPL, we've got one of the top teams in action. Chelsea has an interesting game against Norwich. I know you wanted to talk about this one. I see Chelsea as a big-time favorite at minus 950. Why is this one still ringing bells for you, Kev? So this is a massive game. Yesterday, Manchester United, who we previewed absolutely, Absolutely choked it away. The opportunity to go third, they were up to one. And then in the 96th minute, now somewhat to no fault of their own, one of their their players who had come on picked up an injury. They weren't allowed to sub him out. So they were down to 10 men through injury, not through a red card. Conceded on a corner and and only came away with the draw. And now due to goal differential, they are still in that fifth spot. And again, with that Manchester City news, Every single game between Chelsea, Leicester City, and Manchester United matters more and more and more. This game, though, for Chelsea is so massive, Dane. They're playing Norwich. Norwich are comfortably the worst team in the league. Their goal differential is minus 41. They are already relegated. They are sat at the bottom of the table. Chelsea is in third. Chelsea's last two games after this will be against Wolves, who currently sit sixth in the table. And you might argue actually have some life to them in terms of maybe finding themselves with a top four spot. And then Liverpool. If Chelsea is going to hold on to a top four spot, they need a win today. But Chelsea's been a little bit unreliable. And I'm just not sure if I'm going to be laying anything near a 900 number. I mean, that's that's ridiculous to think. But Chelsea's been a little bit sloppy at the back. They've conceded. And Norwich, I mean, they, they love giving up goals. They love it. I think we might, I mean, 
Chelsea can win this game 4-0. It might be 4-2. It might be 2-4. I don't know. But I think over three and a half goals at minus 108. And you know this thing. We've been talking soccer for a while now here on yeah. the early line. Usually, over three and a half goals, you get a nice plus 150, plus 180. You get a big number right. usually on that. Minus 108, but it's for really? a good reason. I am expecting goals here in this game between Chelsea and Norwich. All right, fair enough. So maybe we're not laying more than nine bills of juice, but you do think Chelsea will be on the front foot and, you know, put the biscuit in the basket. Maybe they can, you know, give some of those goals <laughs> to NYCFC in the nightcap. I did. We only got a minute or two left before we finish this hour and turn our attention to the NFL, the Washington football team in our number two. But I wanted to ask you, Kev, one of the things I've seen, you know, them piping in the crowd noise in some of these games I alluded to made it feel like a big time atmosphere for LAFC, the kind of, you know, big ticket team of the public team in MLS. You know what I've also noticed in watching some of these MLS games, Kev, is, hmm. you know, they have like fans watching it on the screen and you're seeing yeah. their reaction to goals or to big plays. And I saw them actually invite fans to send in videos of themselves decked in their team's kits with their garb and reacting and stuff like that. And you see it on, in essence, what would look like the scoreboard, right, of an event that is kind of being superimposed. Do you like that? Do you think it's cool? What would you do for your squad if you were on that video reacting? I think it looks a little weird. I got to be honest. I think it looks a little weird. I, I don't, I'm like, support, support your team. I, I mean, look, and if these fans enjoy it, that's fine. But, like, occasionally when you see a ball, like, rocketed over net and it bangs off this screen that has four fans watching on their computer on delay, having no right. idea what is actually happening, like, it's a little weird to me. I like right, the piping in right. crowd noise, though. I do like that because it's a big part of soccer. You, I know you've attended matches for NYCSE. It is a big part of soccer. Like, there's a constant singing throughout all of the games yeah, the chanting, where the it singing. sounds very normal. It doesn't sound forced at all. Right. To me, to be honest, part of the reason why I love soccer live is because of the constant cheering in the fan section and that sort of thing. I also agree with you. It is kind of funny, but if they hit me up, I'd certainly send in a video when we come back. <laughs> our number two of the early line. Now everyone's calling him the Washington football team because they don't have a name. We'll talk about it right now. Our number two of the early line coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 